Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I am Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 90 of the North Meet South Web podcast. I think it's like um, tradition now that I have to do that. Mm, every time. I wonder if I get the right key. I'm going to have to think if I'm going to have to listen to this one and see if I got the right key. Like if I didn't have like perfect pitch. Maybe. I find hey, it unlikely. What do you think of my... What do you think of my floppy hair right, it's, here? Uh, it's, looking, like that? it's looking all right. It's it, like, look, at, look how short it yeah, is over here. My, look how crazy this my, is. It's like, my barber refuses to go that short. He's like, if I cut it that short, you're going to look bald. So I'm like, all right, whatever. You know what you're doing. Yeah. The guy's like 70. Yeah. I'm cheap. And so I get my hair cut short, really short. I actually like the way it looks too, but it's it's fine. You yeah. have to have a certain shape head. Fu- if your head is not of a certain shape and shaving it. And it doesn't really work. And when you've got dark hair, typically the dark looks okay against the light. Whereas when you've got light hair sure, like sure. me, it's just it looks like you're bald. Mm. Yeah, right. I know. With with my my sons, they've both got like blonde hair, yeah. and so when they get haircuts, I can't do I can't do that because mm-hmm. they're like the barber says same thing. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, we can, but they're gonna look like they have no hair mm-hmm. for three weeks. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So I don't go. I go to zero. I go to zero guard all the way down here. Yeah. They they don't. Um, they go like a one. Yeah, I'm only I'm only allowed to go to like a 0.5 at at most, and then then I get yelled at if I and sometimes I ask for a, you know a zero, and he just does a 0.5 anyway. I'm like, all right, I tried to get away with it. <laughs> it's like I know better than yeah. you. Yeah, I, I, I tried you. to ask you to do it That's anyway, funny. and you said no. So I'm like, it's summer. Just cut it real short for me, so I don't have to worry about this for. See, it's it's winter here, and it has been freaking ridiculous uh, winter. Like I have not seen this much snow. So cold that Texas. Maybe you've over. heard about the power outages <laughs> yeah, in Texas. Yeah. yeah, right. I mean, it's crazy what's mm. going on down there. Insane. It's wild. Um, but it's been insane in Illinois too. Mm. Like I can't remember a time where it's been this cold for this long. It's kind of been like it. Uh, it reminds me of when I lived in Michigan. We it was like this all the time mm. in Michigan, freezing cold all the time, snow up to your knees all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's like I've gotten lazy over the years. And so, you know, like when when it snows in Illinois, I'm kind of like, like, do I shovel my driveway? I'm like, eh, like it'll probably warm up tomorrow and it'll be it'll gone. Be okay, no yeah. worries. You know what I mean? But like, yeah. So we we left for like a day and a half to go uh, to go stay at this hotel thing for a couple of days for like literally a night just to get the kids out of the house. They were going crazy because it's been like we haven't been able to do anything except for just be inside. And so. um I came back and it was like 8.30 at night. We went to pull into the driveway and the snow had been plowed off the roads that night. And it was so high that I couldn't get the van in the driveway. (laughs) So I had to like, I had to get out, go open my garage, shovel a path for my family to get in. Like, that's ridiculous. I had to shovel a path through the snow Mm. so my family could get in the house. Then I spent the remainder of the night, like not the remainder of the night, probably the next 40 minutes shoveling our driveway so i could pull the van it was ridiculous yeah i think it was, it was so i think it was wes boz maybe that was talking about it he got like a one of those leaf blowers and just used that instead hmm, that's interesting and just like blow the snow out of the way because that's what you need like it's obviously gonna well, snow again and it was have, like filling. snow blowers yeah. is, was it a snow blower or was it like a leaf blower? oh i don't know I may not. Do you know what a snowblower is, Michael? Do you guys have snowblowers? Do you guys have snowblowers in Australia? No, climate change isn't quite that bad yet, but I'm sure in in a few years we'll have to. When you say leaf blower, right? When you say leaf blower, I think you mean snowblower. Maybe it's similar. I mean, like it's it's like a big machine that just goes and it has an auger and Mm. shoots out snow. Yeah, yeah. I borrowed I borrowed one from one of my buddies to get the rest of my garage or (laughs) not my garage, the rest of my driveway Mm -hmm. done. Because it would have been a nightmare. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's what's going on here. And so, yes, my haircut feels very cold. Yeah. Because it is, but it's okay. It's no worse. Yeah. You get it cut, and then you put a beanie on it, and th- to keep your head warm because it's so cold, and then you don't want to take the beanie off. You got because, it. Because you know you're gonna have hat hair and well beanie hair, and then uh, kind of yep. defeats the purpose getting the whole haircut in the first place. <laughs> Absolutely, that's correct. Yep. So you, yeah, you mm-hmm. you hit the nail on the head. So mm-hmm. now I just suffer. I just suffer in silence. I just I don't well. Yeah, I don't put a beanie on. I don't do that. I just do my hair and walk out and hope the car is, you know, warm by the time I get out there yeah. after starting it in the morning. Yeah. So anyway, that's what's been going on here in Illinois. Mm. Um, uh, how are things over there in Aussie land? I uh, think I've not heard anything about. Actually, you know what? I did hear something the other day about a guy from Brisbane. He called it Brizzy. I thought that was funny. Yeah, we like to abbreviate and uh, shorten things. We don't have time for four words. 
But yeah, Brizzy. Yeah. Brizzy's the it's one. A, so you just call it Brizzy? Yeah. You just call it Brizzy? Brizzy. Briz Vegas. It's for some reason they call it Briz, Briz Vegas. Vegas. There's no casinos there, so I don't know what? why they call it Briz Vegas, but you know, <laughs> Queenslanders oh, are off their rocker. Okay. So that's all I've heard about, about Australia yeah. uh, recently. Mm-hmm. But hey, I do have some uh, interesting, maybe, maybe interesting, some things I've just been thinking about mm-hmm. uh, that we could talk about today if you if you care to, and you can add some items to the list here if you'd like to. Yeah. Um, you, you kick but, us off because uh, the last few weeks has been lots of me talking about my new job. Oh, yeah. And my boss listens, listens to this show and he's like, and, and oh, during, really? during the week, he's like, well, we better give you something to do. Otherwise, you're going to have no content for your podcast. You have nothing to complain about. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Well, so like, actually, you know what? I mean, I really enjoy hearing about your work. Actually, mm-hmm. I, I, it's, it's one of my favorite parts of the show. So do you have anything to tell us real quick before I jump into some of these other topics? Like anything that's been going on that you want to talk about yeah. real fast with your job? Sure. Uh, this, this was probably the, the highlight of my week was discovering that um, our, our public website is... It's it's old, right? It, like it looks fine. It's it's well designed. It's there's a few responses. So I was looking at it to fix up a few responsive things and a, a couple of accessibility issues that that crept up and things like that. So um, it's not too bad. And I was trying to find a way to like ninja tailwind in there. And the website was built some time ago, and you know just make changes and add things and whatever else as needed as you go on as as you do. Um, but there's no there's no build step. There's no webpack. There's no um, Yep, whatever yep, the yep. whatever the thing from before was that we were using that Jeffrey said was the thing we should use. Uh, guzzle. Guzzle, yes. There, guzzle, was, I think. there was none of uh, was it no not guzzle. Guzzle was the HTTP thing. There, there was something else before from before Webpack. Oh, sorry, not guzzle. Uh, gulp. Um, gulp. Grunt. Gulp. Gulp. gulp yeah. Thank you. So you know none of that. Um, there's just like this rollup.php file, and all it does is it concatenates a whole bunch of file dot. So it's like file underscore get underscore contents. Um, you know, style.css dot slash n and then like the next thing and it's all just like concatenated together. So in in the development environment, it just like does this file get contents on every single page load. On oh my gosh. in production it it obviously generates a style.css and that's just used everywhere. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um and so I just that is funny. added Tailwind. Um I w- it was there was some complaints that like when I submitted some code a couple of weeks ago, just just as a like build this thing, throwaway kind of project, and I included Tailwind in it and I just had a dev build in there. So I sent that across with uh-huh, it's right. 190,000 lines of code. And they're like, what the hell? I'm like, well, in production, you wouldn't ship 190,000 <laughs> lines of CSS at three and a half meg. You, uh, would, that's funny. you would shove it through purge and you would end up with like two kilobytes of CSS like with what you're actually yeah, using. Exactly. So, But I went through a couple of iterations. I'm like, okay, how can I redo this website in such a way that it's a little bit nicer to maintain so we're not duplicating or you know the, the standard stuff that you go through with Tailwind that you want to extract components for like common bits and pieces so you're not having to update the CSS at uh, the Tailwind classes and all of that so I, I had to play around with Veep the 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 view sort of development server buildy thing which is kind of nice once you we figure out how to use it so there's when you when you install it or you create a new Veep app you've got the option of doing vanilla sort of just JavaScript CSS. And so that gives you an index.html and you just do what you need to do in there. And then you can hook in toe and CS to that, CSS to that and, and had to play around with that for a little bit. And then that wasn't quite what I wanted because I needed to have some reusable components for, you know, f- um, feature panels and things like that that are, that are reused across the site. So then I used the, the view variant of Vite and then I remembered that I don't really remember much view and, it's been a while since I've done any, so I ended up just falling back to to Laravel and uh, doing some Blade components there because that that was enough. And really, it was just so that I could scaffold out the site, uh, essentially rebuild the site using Tailwind, as as we've seen Adam do with arbitrary sites over and over again using Tailwind, and um, yeah, just just build out the website basically, and then copy and paste what I need in there. Um, right, right. A tricky thing that that I have been doing is because they've got existing CSS and some of the names collide with stuff that's in Tailwind, I have to prefix it. And so always fighting with yeah. muscle memory to add the prefix when I type the class. So, um, yeah, I just, I thought that that roll up thing was amusing way of doing things. Kind of the, let's not pull in NPM and anything off the shelf. Let's do our own 
you know, quick and dirty thing, which which works fine, I suppose. Pragmatism wins the day, right? I mean, like, it's like, okay, what's the simplest way I can do this? Well, I know file get contents and I can like do this in like probably three minutes. Let's just do that. Mm-hmm. And then the next person came along and was like, well, I guess this is how we're doing it and just added their additional JavaScript thing. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, somebody's like, we should probably cache this. There's no other cache it. Yeah, it's funny, mm-hmm. man. And like you said, like, you know, just it's like they're running this business using this stuff. Like it's all held together with duct tape and bubble gum. I mean, but literally like there's so many, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It just works sometimes, you know? So while, while you're talking, I'll find, there was a tweet about this somewhere that I'll see if I can locate. Yeah. So we, uh, we had, um, we had a similar problem with tailwind where we had to use a prefix on everything, but it worked great. It was totally fine. Mm -hmm. No big deal. Right. Um, we just TW dash, whatever. And uh, that got around all the problems. The resets are a little bit, um, I think they're optional, right? The resets, the tailwind resets that they put on things, right? To kind of like remove default margin yeah. and padding and things like that. But so, I mean, that that sort of can mess up other styles that are embedded in other style sheets as well. Mm-hmm. If there is like a default, like, hey, uh, like in a raw paragraph tag anywhere, just go ahead and give a margin bottom of five pixels to that or something, right? That happens too. Yeah. So. Eh, whatever. Like most of the time it works fine. But yeah, there's uh there are some exceptions. So anyway, so tell me about Vite. What is Vite? So Vite is a vit.vue.js.org. No, vit.vit.js.dev. I've heard of it. I've never used it. Vite.js.dev. Um, it's next generation front end tooling. Uh so it's like um like if you're using that thing with the thing that you use all the time, browser sync. So it, it like it does that instant refresh okay. thing, um, but it's like instant. It uses ES modules, so there's no bundling. It doesn't do any of that stuff. Um, it does hot module replacement. Uh, has out of the box support for TypeScript, JSX, CSS, um, and uses Rollup for its builds. So it's like it's super super fast um, to do that. And so I had that running with Sizi. And just like all of the tailwind breakpoints and just yeah, you know that. what what broke, where did it break, you know, fix it, refresh everything. Like and it's it's a really nice um tool for that. And it was just, you know, I've been hearing about it so much from uh, you know, Evan Evan Yu, who's the creator of um Vue.js, has been building this for some time. So he's been tweeting about it for a while and the opportunity came up to to play around with it. Um it it's pretty nice if you're just building out static stuff. There's also Vite Press. Which is a lighter sort of version of ViewPress that was released a while ago, um, yeah, which sure. I mm-hmm. might look at if I ever find more than five minutes at a computer um, outside of work to <laughs> to redo my website because I've I've had a I had a logo done up by Noemi who works at um, Titan Co. Titan, um, like when was it? Last you know we had a pandemic last year, 2019. She did me up some artwork, like logos, uh, I remember branding that. Yeah, and stuff. That's right. Um, and I just haven't gotten around to doing anything with it for a couple of years. And um, you know, obviously, before I can write another blog post on my website, I need to first redesign it from scratch in a completely different um, <laughs> tool chain. So yeah. Sure, so sure. But of it's course. like, you know, N NPM NPX or something, create Vite and it just like does its thing. It, it's super quick to to get up and running, and it's just bang, it's there. Um, so yeah, I might might look at it. I, obviously, I don't want static pages for everything. There'll be I think Vite Press might be something I look at just to do pages, um, and then I can repurpose that Nova license for some other website, I guess, because Nova's probably a bit overkill for my personal blog. But it was one of those things. Like I wasn't going to buy Laravel Spark, and then I bought the unlimited license because. Yep, because you never know. Oh, you know, someone's got to like, pay for all of be... those Laravel employees that, that Taylor's got now, so it may as well be me. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, we'll speak about that a little bit later with all the Laravel employees. Like, they've got, um, like, Laracon Online is pretty much almost all Laravel mm. employees this year. Mm. Right? I don't know if you saw that. It's just pretty, like, literally just recently Yeah, announced. I mean, like, there's not, like a day ago, there's not really anyone hugely better positioned than, like, those people to to talk about the deep technical stuff. So Laracon online, if you, if you want to check sure. it out, they just launched the website like, on Friday. It's all Laravel internals, right? Yeah. It's yeah. all like deep dives into Laravel internals and like hyper technical stuff this year, which would be really exciting. So they've got Christoph Rumpel, Mohammed Saeed, Bobby Bowman, Caleb Pozio, Taylor speaking, Miguel Piedrafita, who will tweet at me that I have mispronounced his last name, uh, Marcel and Nuno, Nuno, 
um, speaking. So it'll be interesting because they're talking about, you know, deep dives into the queue, the service container, how the routing works, um, how broadcasting works, how the foundation component works. Um, Caleb's going to do some stuff on LiveWire and Alpine and and Nuno's going to talk about Artisan. So, um, yeah, look yeah at- Artisan. He was like talking today on Twitter. He was like, yeah, I'm pretty much going to rebuild it mm-hmm. live. Yeah, <laughs> it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah pretty cool. And uh, if you haven't I'm seen a, the I'm website, looking forward to it. it's gonna be great. We're gonna have a little viewing party, as we usually try and do each year. Um, so we'll just limit capacity yeah. if we need to. But it's not like we've ever had so much interest that it's like we would be able, we'd have to like pack a room or rent some place. Yeah. We, usually, we usually have quite a bit of space. But yeah, I have um, hopefully some of the regulars that come down each year from Chicago and up from. St. Louis and all that stuff coming down to, mm-hmm. to watch uh, Laracon mm-hmm. online with us. That'll be good. Definitely, good time. definitely check out the website. Should, it looks as well. good. And the site, I also wanted to say the mm. site looks incredible. Yeah. Canico, Canico and, and Flick um, Nelson did the, Flick did the yep. illustrations and, and Nick, uh, I guess, built the website. Nick? No. Flick does, did the illustrations and Canico, um, you know, put the site together. Looks, did the dev. Looks really, really good. Yeah. Um, spatterings and stuff uh on there so yeah i've got yeah oh, the illustrations i didn't realize amazing. that move it looked you, really really good yeah if you mouse over the really illustration at the top of the page it like wobbles i didn't notice that because i've looked on this side what does what the illustration at the top of the the page if you move your mouse over it, it like shifts i hadn't really? noticed that yeah i because i'd only looked at that on um on uh my my uh phone that was the only place i'd looked at it up until now so yeah, definitely check that out. Kudos to those lads for for putting that together because it looks really cool. Um, I bought my ticket, and the dark mode looks awesome too. Yeah, the dark mode gives you it, color. The, the dark yeah. mode looks really, really yep. cool. It gives us like really awesome looking. It changes the uh, the icon at the top mm-hmm. or the like the illustration at the top to be all funky, amazing, mm-hmm. rad colors. Pretty cool. Yes. So big shout out to those guys. Looks looks really, really good. So I'm excited to attend to that again this year. It's always good, and I think it's like thirty bucks a ticket, mm. so it's totally worth it. Yeah, you, you get a lot of value. Yeah, a lot, a lot of value and out of this. It would so. take me like three months to watch all the videos, but uh, I do do look forward to that. So check that out. Um, yeah. we I bought my ticket, and then Ping Me has sponsored some. We I bought some scholarship tickets. We added five in there. So if you're a, a member of an underrepresented group, you can apply for those scholarship tickets. And if of course, if you're in a position where you can or you do have the means, then please consider perhaps sponsoring some tickets for those who are unable to afford or are from parts of the world where $30 is a lot more money than what it is for, you know, you and me, Jake. So check that out. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Hey, um, so speaking of new websites and of your own website and uh, all that goodness, uh, I've recently decided, uh, so this nonprofit that I help work do some stuff for, mm-hmm. Um, they had their site redesigned, redone in WordPress a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And they're already to the point where they're like, yeah, we're not doing this. Like this WordPress thing is just not, not working. Like it's, you know, the promise of WordPress and maybe if, maybe the, maybe the people they had do it just didn't do it right. And you know, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, maybe. Right. But the promise of WordPress is like, you can move everything around and like, you can change anything you want to, and you can design, you can make your own content, new pages and like, blah, 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 whatever. And it's like an actual practice. It's not that easy for people who are not developers, right? Like if you're a developer, maybe, right? But I feel like even if you're a developer, eh, not so much, right? It's just like, or maybe it's just, again, it could just be that I'm not that familiar with WordPress or that I have like some stigma against it, Mm -hmm. but. Um, I don't know. I've just never come across a WordPress site that I was like, oh, this is so simple. Like everything is so easy on this. Mm-hmm. Like it's just so simple to do. And like I could hand this off to anybody and they could figure it out on their own without any help. Right. Um, especially with any sort of complexity. If it's just like if it's literally just a very simple blog, totally. Yeah, it makes sense. But like if there's any sort of like marketing page at all, like nah, not not happening unless you're using some really, really nice um template. Right. If you're using something that's already got all the all the sort of different things that you're you want to build and you're kind of stacking those up and doing it, great. But if you have like a custom design, if you have somebody like custom design it and then you develop that and throw that into WordPress, I feel like it's almost impossible mm-hmm. to do. And again, maybe it's just that the people who built it didn't know what they were doing, but it's gotten to the point where they're like, we need something else. So I've been looking into Statomic. Mm-hmm. 
um, and just kind of diving into it. Have you ever done anything with Statomic or had a lot of experience with it or anything like that? Not really. I mean, the places that I've that I've been at that have needed a website have kind of like they've already been established, so they're already WordPress. Um, my last job was some custom, like it's just a whole bunch of HTML. There's that's literally static pages. Um, so I've always like wanted to, but I just never had the time to to dive into it. Maybe I should use that instead of um, Vite because it'll probably be easier for my backend focused brain. It probably would. It probably would. And I mean, like, so Laravel News was just rebuilt mm. on Statomic, and it's awesome and super fast, mm. really, really great. And talk to Eric a little bit about it. He seems like he's really happy with it. Um, uh yeah there's like as i've been reading through it it just seems like some really really well thought out stuff and man i'm telling you like that design is like the design of the back end the control panel is really tight i guess is the only way i can describe it like it feels like everything is just really well done it's just a crafted solution um so it feels really good. It feels very like comprehensive. It feels like you can have you have everything you need and nothing you don't. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you want to add more, you can, but it doesn't like assume that you need all sorts of crap out of the box. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also this really good sort of like I don't know if you'd call it a theme or what exactly you'd call it um, called Peak mm-hmm. P E A K, I think that just um, I think just recently came out. Laravel News actually has an article on it as well. I discovered it a couple of days before the article came out, so. Got in touch with the author and and um, was like, "Hey, dude, I might have some questions." He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, hit me up out here, like on the Discord channel. They have a Discord channel as well." So, mm-hmm. yeah, I've kind of started looking into it. I honestly am still a tiny bit confused about how it all works. So it seems like you have like a couple options for deployment. Like it seems like you can compile everything down to a static site and just deploy it through like Netlify or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You could just literally say like. Here's my Git repo and Netlify supports PHP now. So you could just say like, you just have like a build step in there that builds out your site and then deploys it statically Mm -hmm. and you're all set. No worries. Like, so you can build a static site um, using all your Laravel stuff and whatever. And when it deploys, it just spits out static pages, which is great. Um, But there's also things like if you need to be able to edit it like on the web, instead of having to give access to the repo to to somebody who might not be technically minded or know how to do like a commit or whatever. Um, you have a control panel. And if you have a control panel, I think you can power the back end by some sort of database, right? Um, and then it actually uses like the Laravel stuff to like go retrieve those values and, and do all the things that would normally do in the Laravel app. So you can do that as well. But then I think they also have like static caching. So it's like you get the Laravel version, but it also does really sort of aggressive static caching, Mm -hmm. which is, I think, how Eric Barnes is using it. Um, So he has the control panel so he can do things online uh, without having to commit to the repo. Uh, But it caches everything statically for him. uh, So the page remains really, really fast. And then there's also this thing called Gitamic. So instead of like Statamic, Statamic, it's Mm Gitamic. And it's almost like Tower for Statamic. So if you make changes or whatever, it'll show you like, Here's your most recent changes. Do you want to add a commit? And it'll actually push right to the repo, mm-hmm. which is pretty crazy yeah. too. So you still get the control panel feel, but then you get like it's all your stuff is still in version control, which feels really nice as well. Because that's the other thing is like you lose your database or something. Now you're screwed, mm-hmm. right? Like there's always this fear of like, what if the database doesn't get backed up or what if like the host all of a sudden gets hosed or or the site gets hacked or whatever. And now everything's gone. It's like, well. I mean, not if you have a backup on Git. I mean, unless we're talking about worst, worst, worst case scenario, somebody actually really, really hacks you yeah. and gets all yeah. your repo everything. credentials and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of it's sort of complex, um, like as far as that goes. But it doesn't have to be. Again, it can be very, very simple. But it sort of has the options to grow with you. You know, it's a it's a really easy thing to get started with. Um, build step is super simple. Uh, but then if you want to take it to like a, a, another level, you can. You have the ability to do so. So it's been really good, man. I, the docs are also really well done. Um, they're humorous. Just like that's totally Jack yeah. McDade's flavor, right? Like everything. There's like jokes through the entire thing, um, which is so funny. So it's like entertaining to read the docs. Like you don't feel like you're like slogging through a technical manual, right? You feel like you're like talking to a friend who's kind of walking you through how this all works. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, but there is a lot of documentation, a lot, just like there is in Laravel, right? I mean, if, if anything that's of any sort of like value is and has been around in version three now is right likely going to have some sort of um there's going to be a lot to it right so so i'm working my way through it uh i'm still not 1000 convinced that's what i'm using uh but I'm, I'm leaning that way the other thing that i was kind of thinking about doing is they said like hey we're on a little bit of a timeline and they really they're going from like their site went from originally like maybe like six to ten pages to when this company redid it to like 40 yeah right and they're like it just feels like i'm completely lost they said like i don't know where it even like i don't even know how to tell people where the content is right if you're a new person who's just coming to the site to discover kind of what we do like good luck and so they want to reduce it back down to like maybe like nine to ten pages and so my first thought was like well why don't i just do it in tailwind and like static pages at first Mm -hmm. right like you don't need anything dynamic on here like just give me the content you want and we'll throw it in there. Yeah. And then maybe build in static later, right? Because no problem. Like who cares, right? Um, so that's another good option too. Uh, I think being that uh, or or just or maybe just do this, the static version of static at first, right? Just make it really simple and do the static pages and then later do the content panel stuff. Yeah. So anyway, I'm yes. working my, my way through it, but um it's been pretty enjoyable so far, yes. and uh, I'm looking forward to digging digging in a little bit more. Yeah, I might I might have a play around with the static as well. This may be a better opportunity to sort of start. I mean, I kind of wanted to try something new. That'd be cool because then we could kind of talk about it mm-hmm. on the show. Honestly, like it would be cool to kind of like work at the same time yeah. on on it and sort of like our understanding of how it all works and stuff. Mm-hmm. I actually messaged Jesse Light. Is that his name? Jesse, Leet? yeah. Oh, how do you say his name? It's French, man. It's Jesse Letty. L e i t e. Who's he's also like he's not like Yaz level troll, but he also he is pretty. He's up there. He's trolling. He's very smart yeah, though because like he uses Vim. So. Oh yes, I mean yes, got to go there. He is a smart dude though, for sure, no doubt about it. So um, have you know been able to hang out with him a couple times at at Laracon mm-hmm. and things like that, but. I was going to message him and see if maybe he wanted to jump on the show with us tonight to talk about it a little bit because I'm sure he could clear up some of these things for me as well. Yeah. But uh, didn't get a hold of him. Didn't get a hold. Maybe we can get Jack himself on the show. We'll maybe. See. We'll see. Maybe. He's 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 in. Uh, he was fishing with Caleb Porzio. This I saw weekend. that. I saw that he this was week. taking yeah. around Florida and showing them the spots and uh, <laughs> having having a good time. That Caleb kid. He's doing well. For that was himself. pretty cool. Yeah, Caleb's like a fishing man now. That's what he's doing these days. Fishing, like fishing, he, uh, and towing, fishing uh, and alpine and live wire. That's what he's doing. Yes, indeed. And so he and he's been having a lot of really good success. Actually, mm. he just got featured on GitHub Readme, yeah. which was awesome. With Keanu Reeves um, picture. Yeah, <laughs> I would have never even said that, but like now that you say that, that's so funny. It feels very that's that is accurate. Mm-hmm. It feels accurate. Mm-hmm. Nicely done. But uh, on Twitter, he he caught a uh, puffer fish. Mm. I think it's what they're called, right? Those little fish that like expand they go, and whatever. Yeah, they blow up. Yeah, so that was kind of cool. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's kind of working on uh, with Statomic. Um, the other thing I was interested in talking about, maybe, um, which I would, I would just kind of would like to bounce the ideas off you mm-hmm. that we have uh, about this. So I'll kind of give you the situation. And what my proposed solution is is kind of what we're do- and kind of what we're doing so far, and you can tell me any potential pitfalls you might see in this in this approach. Okay. Okay. Ticketing systems, yeah. all right. So are typically made for things that are broken, right? Mm-hmm. So hey, this thing is not working anymore. It's supposed to be working. Can you please fix this? Mm-hmm. Right. That's ideally what they should be used for. I think. Um, however. Uh, if you have no sort of method for people to request features for an app or for a thing, they inevitably either do one of two things. They will pile them, they will throw them into the ticketing solution, right? Which happens. And so your tickets, uh, you know, a ticket becomes something like, Hey, we would really like to be able to get an email whenever there's a new, um, uh, you know, attorney general letter that we get from a person who complained about something or a better business bureau or Mm -hmm. whatever, right? Like 
something like that. I mean, this is just a ridiculous example, maybe, right? But like, that's a thing. Well, that's not like a fix. Nothing's broken, right? You're asking me to basically develop a whole new thing for you, right? Like, because I don't know the process. There's a whole lot of discovery to be done around that. Like, number one, why are we getting these complaints? Like, how is this happening? Like, and what avenue is this coming in through? Whatever. So that's one way they 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 kind of make their way in is these tickets. And the problem with that is like, it looks like you have these really long lived tickets that are not tickets. They're not broken, right? And so if you're running any sort of reporting, it looks horrible because you have this thing that's like been out there for 300 days or mm-hmm. something. And it's, it's, you know, it throws everything off. The other way that they'll talk to you about them is they'll like shoot you an email, which again, just sort of like, where do I put that? Like trash or they'll send you a, a direct message. Yeah, go, it goes to the trash. Um, or you put it into like an issue, right? A backlog. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of sort of some of the problems that we've had. And I've, I've tried to solve them before by like making an issue in GitHub on a on a repo. But then the issues just get so clogged mm-hmm. and there's just no real way to like prioritize them or like, are we even doing these? Or is this just here so that we can evaluate it later and all that? So that was sort of an issue. Mm-hmm. So all those things said, what we did is you may remember, I think it was it was last year or maybe it was the year before, Jonathan Rennick for his talk did wants. Wants. Mm-hmm. Wants. So we actually grabbed the repo that he had out there and we finished it. Mm-hmm. So we just made it actually like usable. So you could put in new ones, like you'd get an email if somebody commented on yours, or you'd get a report like weekly that says, here's how many upvotes your particular want has or mm-hmm. whatever. So we're going to use it. So I've deployed it. Um, and what I've done is I've said, okay, for any of these people who have tickets that were in the status of like, it was called on hold, I had on mine, like any of these tickets I have, which I have like 70 or 80 of them. They're just sitting there. Like I'm sending these people a report saying like, hey, these are things that you asked for within the last year. If they're still relevant, go ahead and create a want for them, right? So like kind of putting the onus on them. Yeah. And then what I've done is I, I'm saying like, once a month, we will review the most highly like like almost like a uh demand score right like comments count for more than likes um sort of deal i think comments are worth two likes or worth one sort of deal so the most the one yeah right the ones that are most in demand we will consider creating Mm -hmm. right so there's like a requested a planned and then a completed sort of status for each of these So that's the plan moving forward. I, I'm interested to see kind of what this will do. I, I think some of what it does is it allows the ideas to be vetted without me having to be involved and tell them they're either a good or a bad idea because they have to they have to sort of um, work for their own idea, right? They have to be the ones to pitch it to other people to get community support uh, for their idea. Cause if they don't, then it just sits there and never does anything. Right. And I don't have to think about it at all. Cause it never comes to the top of the list. So that's good. Like that's a really good idea. So I don't have to be the one to kind of shoot their idea down anymore. It's like, if they can't get enough people excited about it to, to say anything about it or to comment on it or to ask any questions or to give it a thumbs up, or whatever, then doesn't matter. I don't have to mm-hmm. do it. Right. Um, so thoughts, what do you think? Is this a good idea? Is this a bad idea? Mm-hmm. What are, what are the what are the pros? What are the cons? Yeah. So my last, I joke uh, about sending things to trash, but if something came to me out of the blue, I would just ignore it because there was, there was a process, right? It wasn't just anyone that could come up with stuff that, that they wanted and, you know, it had to go through an escalation, it had to go through their line manager who would then bring it up with the other line managers and then that would prioritize and that would decide, you know, what is actually worth us sort of spending the, the time to, to figure out if we want to do it or how we're going to do it. Um, and then it would go on the backlog. So and so we used Jira, and so things went into bat into the backlog to die essentially, um, because there was no <laughs> like truly that's kind of what happened. Like you didn't have a review process in place to go into the backlog and say we're going to do these things. It's not like there was a lack of work to do, right? Yeah. So we, I mean, we would go through once a week, and we would go like, here's this thing someone asked for six months ago, and they they've never mentioned it again, so it's obviously not important. So it would get knocked off the back of the the backlog. Um, if someone mentioned it again, we'd kind of shift it up, um, up the backlog. But there was always like project work and stuff that had to be done at a higher level that kind of meant that a lot of stuff wasn't done. Um, and so, you know, it didn't really work. Then there was the ad hoc people, uh, ad hoc communications where someone would send a message on Slack and they'd be like, what do you think about this thing? 
And I'm like, I don't know if you need it, then you figure out kind of thing. Because it's not my job to decide what you need, right? I can tell you technically whether or not it's possible or how much work it might involve. But at the end of the day, if you need something, then we're going to have to build it. It's just a matter of figuring out when and how we go about it. Sure, right, exactly. um, the, the, The job that I'm at now, they have like a feature forum and they allow, it's it's basically wants. And what that allows you to do is you get like six points or 10 points, whatever, some number of points that you can spend per month on submitting, Ooh, on submitting a new want or a new feature and voting on existing features. Now, is this, is this users? This is our customers. Or is this, this is users of your platform? Okay, your customers. Yeah, this is okay. the customers of our yeah. platform, whether that be white label, reseller, um, end users, they they all they can all log in and they can make a request. They can see the the open ones and they can comment on it and things like that. Um, but yeah, v- submitting and voting. So and it's not like you can just come up with an idea on the toilet one day and just yep, I'm going to put ten of these up or have you know shower thoughts and things like that. So it's you sure. know saying you can only spend X number of points kind of stops that backlog I of like feature requests from kind of yeah, going yeah, yeah. wild. And then you just end up with a backlog that's never going to get processed because there's always going to be things that need to be done. As I said, the, the project work and the things that support the business and and things like that. So, um, and just because it's in in the feature forum and just because it's voted highly doesn't necessarily mean that it will get done. It's just this is what the users, broadly speaking, want. And so, it's there. I suppose it's your job now anyway as the head of IT to like raise that with the other heads of the other departments and figure out like based on right. what everyone needs, you still need to go through the process at that point. Like this is kind of like the the shape up process where you have to figure out your appetite is and figure out right, what, exactly. what the business actually wants to do. Um, but but typically I've never really kept a backlog. I you know, I follow the, the Jason Freed mentality of like if it's important, someone will bring it up again. And if we keep hearing about it from different people, then then it's probably something that we need to investigate and and spend some yeah, time on. So yeah, exactly. Um, I think the wants thing is cool. I think that's a, a good way of sort of engaging with your users. It depends on your users. Like it's an internal thing for for the the company. Then it's easier to get everyone on board because they are using the software day in and day out, and they know what they need and how they want to go about doing it. And then you know, saying it's up to them to rally support for it also helps them understand whether or not it's an issue um because if other people aren't experiencing it then maybe it's not you know maybe it comes down to an individual problem that gets a bit tricky when you've got a department of one kind of thing and so if there's only one person in a team then things that affect them are not necessarily going to find welcoming ears to help yeah no traction on that yeah so that's something that you kind of need to figure out how to wait so you know our accounts receivable team at my last job was one person right so things that they asked for whilst i agree they are urgent to them everyone's got their number one priority but the number one priorities amongst all the other departments and all the other teams and all that kind of stuff i kind of you know they don't, and and that's the thing. The feature forum or the wants thing kind of brings to light is where they fit amongst all of the other feature requests in the business, because you can see yeah. what everyone else is, you know, asking for and what everyone else is voting on and what what the business sees as important. And so eventually, you know, in that scenario, especially if you're going to constrain how often they can suggest things and how often they can vote on things, and you know, you've got to really think about whether or not you want to spend your allocated points for the month on, then it kind of... An idea that you don't necessarily like. Or yeah. Like, yeah, sure. It's like, like I had if your friend idea. just asks you, like, hey, it's a favor, can you do this? Yeah. Mm. That was the only con I had was like, there's the potential for gaming the system, right? If you just have someone... It's basically like it becomes a popularity contest mm-hmm. if you just... You know what I mean? At some point, like if somebody's like, hey... I really want to get this thing because my I hate doing this every day. Like, would you mind like upvoting yeah. it for me? I'll let Which, you have my car parking space I mean, on, on Tuesdays and Fridays exactly. if you yeah. if you vote for this thing for me. Advocate so yeah, for this. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, literally, if it came down to that, I'd be like, fine, I don't care. Like, I, you know, what I mean, like, if people really care that much about their particular idea, I don't know. Like, I'm I'll be excited if they just use the thing. Yeah. Like, I've got 
I've got some people using it already, but like I'll be I'll be just be happy to have a place where I can like almost like what you said, like put things to die. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a ticket. Like it's not going to get work done right now. I'll review it sometime in the next month. Yeah. Like we'll look at any open ones that that have activity on them, and we'll probably just decide not to work on most of them. Yeah. But I have a plot a place to put them now. That's not a GitHub issue. Yeah. But for me, if it's a GitHub issue, it needs to get like an issue is a, something that an you idea. need. Like it's a fleshed mm. out idea. Yeah. An issue. An issue is something that's ready to go, kind of thing. And we say that in open source all yes, the time. If it's the already, issue it's sort is of already open, been shaped, yeah, right? If, if, the, if it gets to an issue and it hasn't really been thought out or there's no description, it just gets closed, right? Try again when Correct. you've got yeah, more that's information. A good, that's a good way so, to describe it. Yeah. Um, putting yeah. it in the once allows other people to sort of flesh it out. And then, as I said, you would then have to figure it out with your other heads. Like you could do it once a month with you know your head of legal and your head of marketing and your head of sales and whatever else amongst all of the things. So you'd have to classify each thing or just your users would need to be classified. So it's like, this is a sales thing or this is a marketing thing or this is a, an accounts thing and, and and go from there. And then each of the departments can see what is important to the people in them. And then you can sort of figure out in the business as a whole where that kind of goes. So, yeah, I think, I think yeah. it's valuable. Like the once thing I've, I always thought was kind of cool, but at the same time, never bothered to implement it because some of the wild ideas that came from the the people that I used to work with which is I know I know like that's why but that's, that's why I that, say like it comes to my inbox I'm like why are you emailing me this please speak to your line manager because they never would have let this come through because it's just not a thing that's going to happen yeah. and the I yeah. mean the line managers are, were always good at sort of understanding because they they had an understanding of what their people were asking for so if one person came to it, they'd be like, no worries. If two people came, they're like, all right, I'm going to write this down. And then once it gets to three or four, it's like if it's distinct people that are bringing it up, then perhaps it's something that needs to be addressed at a, at a higher level. And so you yeah. go from there. But it's, yeah. yeah the, you, the do, thing that you do I, have some. The thing that I always used to push back on, and, and I said it before, it's not my job to figure out what you need and it's not my job to prioritize it. So if you're going to bring me 100 things a week, that each person has asked for once, then none of it is going to get done because I don't need to build a hundred things for a hundred people. I need to build one thing for a hundred yeah. people. So yeah, yeah, I will, I will happily do the requirements and help you figure out the specification and and try and figure out how long we think it's going to take. Knowing full well that like when you say it's going to take a week, it might be a week of work, but that week could be spread over th- four weeks or two months or whatever else because you know depending on the urgency of it, it might not garner enough of your time and attention to to get it done so yeah it i mean that that stuff is kind of universal in terms of how it gets from someone's brain into some place where it can be discussed and then ultimately worked on um is is the thing and i think the feature thing is cool you don't you don't want to use your issue tracker for correct i've learned that the hard way yes and like I said, with Jira, yeah, we would periodically work. go through work. and just trash things. Like this has been here for six months. Why is you know it's obviously not important. It's not going to get done. The billing system yes. is not working. Issue. The billing system is throwing a a five hundred here. Issue. Work fix. Send pull request. Close close issue. Kind of thing. Like that kind of stuff is important. Um. Sometimes if it's that kind of broken, you wouldn't even log an issue. You would just go. I'm going to go and fix that. And then so the the issue is good for sort of historical tracking so you can go back and it's kind of documenting the the things that you have fixed over time but because you can search issues and yeah i, mean, you I can do search like pull that, requests, but like seeing the the link it might not have the full yeah because exactly. the pull request might, you're not gonna have a full fixed, discussion yeah but the issue should say what is broken kind of thing so and and for a, yeah, for so a like feature for me, request or a feature add-on or whatever i would go straight to to pull request even the you know an issue not necessarily for new stuff. An issue, especially in the context of GitHub, I think issues are more, this is broken, please help me understand, please help me fix, whatever. Um, and then pull request is like, here is the, the code to fix that thing. Here is my attempt at fixing that thing. Um, here is my you know new feature kind of thing. And then that's the discussion on what you're doing to fix it as opposed to what the problem is itself. And I think those two discussions should be separate. Yeah, so like the way that we're kind of doing it right now is like I typically will have so I have like three sources of work. Like one is a ticket, like one is 
one will be like these wants, like these user requests. Another one will be like management or upper level management or whatever telling me, hey, these are things that, or, you know, like I, I meet with like the operations teams and say, hey, what sort of things do we need to build? What, you know, what are the things you're hearing from your people, whatever. So we have like the grassroots one, which is wants. You have the top level one coming down, which is like management. And then you have like tickets, which are like user reported errors and breakages, right? So we have that. So those are kind of like just scratch pad, sort of like I write that down sort of deal, mm-hmm. right? Um, like these, I, these are things that need to, to happen, whatever. So typically where those go is those go into like Notion, or they go into a base camp list for me to like, these are things that we are going to do. They just need to be shaped mm-hmm. better, right? So then I will shape those and create an issue. And in the issue, I will try and say, why are we doing this? Like, what's the context? Why does this matter? Because I don't just want to like assign, like, I don't want my guys and my, my developers to just feel like they're just doing the, like they're actually doing the work that I've already thought everything through. Um, it's just like, here's the context of the situation. Here's what we're trying to solve. Here's, how we're proposing to solve it. And maybe here are some considerations you might want to make when you're writing the code. Like we're going to be adding to this feature in the next month because this is not the end of this feature. This is just the start of this feature, right? So make sure that when you make this table, you make room so that it could become a polymorphic table Mm -hmm. in a while. Just just consider that when you're building it, right? I'm not going to tell you how to structure the schema. I'm just telling you it's going to happen in the future. So just be aware, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So those are kind of like what I'll put in the issue. And then they work from that to create their pull request, right? And then their pull request and the, you know, they typically don't describe the whole thing in the pull request, like what they're trying to solve. They'll basically just write any relevant details in the pull request of like things that I would need to know about what needs to happen when we're pushing this into production or things to be aware of. Or they'll put a lot of times they'll put screenshots of the actual completed feature in the in the mm-hmm. in the pull request or an uh, MP4 of a screen recording or a GIF of the thing working, um, and so that's kind of the flow that we use, as well as any ENV variables that need added. Those go in the very very top of the pull request, so I see those when I'm getting ready to push to production. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how our flow works, and it's mm-hmm. it's worked pretty well. So um, yeah, I think the, this is the, just kind of like one more piece. I think the biggest thing that's going to help you would be consolidating where you're doing these things, so not having Notion and Basecamp and wants and github um because then you just mm, that's true all of those know, things just... are good for their own their own things but like spreading things out just makes it difficult to keep track of everything um and i know that like the tailwind team they've gone all in on Basecamp to do their stuff and just keeping everything in base so do they not do issues i wonder like, i wonder if they don't do issues well, i'm sure they still have issues but like Basecamp is where they do all their discussion and things like all of their internal stuff as well so hmm that's interesting. So maybe I would like stop using issues and just start using Basecamp. Yeah, I guess. either or. Yeah. I mean, if everyone's yeah. got access to Basecamp, then it makes sense because, you, you know, you, if everyone has True. access to because it's what, $99 a month or whatever for just how many We, we have Basecamp for the yeah. entire organization. Yeah. Yeah, so everyone so. everyone has access to that, whereas GitHub, you're going to limit just your development team. So it makes it difficult because then, you know, you're discussing things in Basecamp and then you've got to pull relevant stuff out of Basecamp and put it into issues and and the people that are like raising those issues ultimately lose visibility over them. They don't know what's happening, and they, they you know, it makes it difficult to clarify because then someone's playing middle middle person to, you know, I'm going to go over here and and figure out what did they say there, and then I have to translate it into the issue. And then if you get that wrong, then you know, it just extends the whole review process and getting that 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 issue fixed ultimately. So, yeah, trying to keep as much of it in one place as possible is good. Um, I I mean, I use Notion myself at the last place, but just to keep notes on like how to configure a server or how to do all this yeah. stuff, like things that would help yeah. me specifically, not not necessarily the business things. And then, yeah, the business is on board with Basecamp. So I would try and keep as much of the discussion in one place as possible that, that you know, everyone across the business can see. Um, having said that, you know, and then the wants thing is kind of an add-on to that. So if you could find some way to make it work, I've, I've never used Basecamp to any degree of, competency so i don't know if that's something that you could kind of build in there as as you know part of the functionality or if you you know if you want to be careful Probably. about maintaining that separately so yeah there's a there's an api so like you could totally like you know i'm sure there's a there's a integration for maybe not for laravel but there's like a php mm. one you know i'm sure there's a sdk or yeah. something so to that's, make it that's easy. something to keep mindful so. of but um yeah definitely, cool. that's definitely a good, good advice yeah let me let me know where you land on it how, like how you want to go if like yeah, the feature for sure. form certainly limiting people's ability to just endlessly 
comment and and log things will stop that from getting out of hand because it means they really need to think what is the one thing that I desperately want to say this month and what are the two things or three things that I desperately want to vote on and see added that I haven't thought of otherwise it's just going to become a dumping ground and 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 you know for you you're just going to see it as a dumping ground you're going to start closing stuff deleting stuff ignoring stuff and for everyone else, they're going to say, well, this is just sitting here, never action, never looked at, never, you know, it's been deleted or, or closed. And so they're just going to not use it because they just see it as a dumping ground that's like, um, you know, it's we're offering it to you, but we're not going to pay attention to it because they don't see that it's unwieldy, that there's like a thousand things in there. They just see that, oh, we log stuff in here and it just gets ignored. So that's something to, to certainly be mindful yeah. of. Yep. That's a good point. That's a good point. Okay, my friend. Well, that's uh, we're at fifty minutes, so I'm gonna say we wrap this wrap bad boy it. up and call it a call it a night. Let's wrap it. Let's talk about our friends was a- at Work Vivo, who, believe it or not, are oh, still sponsoring the Go show. So, <laughs> Work Vivo, who are at workvivo.com, are an employee communication platform to excite, engage, and connect your entire company. They combine the power of a social network, an intranet, and employee app into one familiar digital experience that all of your employees will love. Uh, it's an employee app that reaches the places that email can't. They put engaging communications in the hands of every employee, regardless of role or location, through a fully branded employee app. Maybe you should look at this, Jake, as a as a tool for your place of business. I've already, yeah, I've uh, I've placed, I've I've had calls with them actually about their product, and it's really really cool. Yeah, mm. I think mm, it's not that we're too small for it. I think I would have to have another person to manage it and I don't have that person mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. It is an awesome product though. I'll tell you mm-hmm. that. Like I think it would meet a lot of needs that we have and actually would consolidate a lot of the stuff that we that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. But we didn't pull the trigger yet. Yeah. We'll see. Maybe we will someday. Yeah. Increase your employee engagement, internal communication, help with the remote working and culture amplification. Oh, they deal with leadership and crisis communication, improve your collaboration and also have secure and scalable communications across your entire business. Be sure to check out WorkVivo at WorkVivo.com. Thanks to our friends there, and thanks especially to Joe Lennon, who has been a staunch supporter of the podcast for a number of years, and sometimes uh, you know, we like to let everyone know about their wonderful wares. They've got a new website as well since the last time I looked. So They do. I was just looking at it. It looks great. It's crisp. Really, really it's nice. fresh. I bet you it's Tailwind, because why wouldn't it be Tailwind? Probably, well, maybe see, it's is not. It, is oh, it, is it? Oh, 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 never mind that. Never mind that. Move Speak on. Move on. <laughs> oh, no, boy. it's a good website. Is, uh... They're good people, and and Joe's always been a, a friend of the show. So definitely check them out if that is something that you're looking at, and speak to Jake about it because uh, he's had some experience with it. Indeed, I have. Indeed. Thanks everybody for joining us. This was episode ninety. You can find it at show notes for this episode at north south north meets south audio slash ninety. Hit us up on Twitter if you have any questions at Jacob Bennett at Michael Dorinda. Uh, and then, of course, rate this podcast uh, up in your podcatcher of choice. Five stars would be greatly appreciated. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, and we will see you again in two weeks. Bye. Bye, all. Bye, all.